who have teenaged or young adult children. I'm sure this has never happened to you. And I noticed that there are some of you with young children, and I, I promise this will probably never happen to you either. Uh, but um, I have a daughter, and my daughter has occasionally hit some rough patches in her life. And when she hits those rough patches, I, as a good, loving, interfering father, offer her some advice or some counsel, which she promptly ignores. Not only does she ignore that counsel or that advice, but usually throughout her lifetime, she's 31 now, she does the exact opposite. Joy of all joys. You warned them, you told them about the time that you were in a similar situation, right? You were hoping that they would learn from your experiences that you would save them having to go through the hard lessons. But the key is here that we learn from our experiences, but often not the experiences of other people. We learn by our own experiences. How many times have you heard the question, if I could just go back in time and do that again? Boy, I have. We learn from experience, from all our mistakes, as well as the things that go well in our lives. And as it is in life, so it is in faith also. Last week I preached the sunrise service at Christ Church in Montgomery. And the passage that we always have for the sunrise service is a passage from Matthew 28. And it's about Mary Magdalene going to the garden and discovering that the tomb was empty. Last week, I, when I preached, I was preaching about how the risen Lord had first appeared to Mary. And then, not only Mary, but eyewitnesses after her who went to the disciples and they were able to say, I have seen the Lord. Now, was her role as an eyewitness enough to convince the other disciples? You know, even after Mary told the disciples that Jesus had risen from the dead, you know what the disciples did? They stayed hidden behind locked doors just where they had been the Sabbath before. You see, the actions of the Jewish leaders and the Roman politicians in those preceding days and the horrible outcome of everything had these disciples fearing for their own lives and also grieving the loss of their leader and their rabbi. And it wasn't until Jesus appeared in the upper room, just appeared. And he said, peace be with you. And then he showed them his hands and his side. He told them that they could believe Mary's account, that the resurrection had taken place. But you see, these disciples still did not understand the significance of everything that had happened. They understood that a miracle had taken place, but what did the miracle mean? How would it change their situation? How would it change them? 
Well, let's make it just a, a smidge more personal. Have you ever found yourself nodding your head in agreement with certain statements of faith or passages of Scripture? But then you realized that that mental agreement that you had really hadn't changed you all that much. Instead, you were responding with actions that corresponded with your words, and you discovered that you were still locked behind doors of fear. If we say that Thomas was a doubter, I want to ask you, would we have responded any differently? The fact is, beginning with the grieving of Mary, who thought that someone had taken his body, every one of the disciples had been doubting. Maybe clueless is a better way to put it. Jesus' appearance to Thomas just happened to take place one week later. Other than that, it was no different than what had happened a week earlier. Verse 20 of our gospel passage says that it was not until Christ showed the other disciples his hands and his side that they truly saw and believed. We are all doubting Thomases or Marys or Peters until the risen Christ through his amazing and unmerited grace enters into each of our lives and he speaks our names. Ben, Alan, Lincoln, Becky, Claire, Linda, Brad. Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Has the risen Christ appeared in your life and said this bringing you peace for your mission? Even if Christ has appeared to you, bringing you peace and mission, you probably still have times of doubt and have some trouble believing do you ever have times in your life where you cry out, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief? Since my early childhood, I have believed in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I've memorized the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, and eventually the Nicene Creed. I believed it all. But my faith wasn't alive, shall we say, until I encountered for myself the risen Christ and the Holy Spirit. That was when I was awakened. That's when Scripture came alive to me. That was when I came to experience the joy of the Lord. And that was when I could honestly tell others that I was an eyewitness to the resurrected Christ. We have to experience Christ for ourselves before faith becomes fully alive. 
as an Asbury Theological Seminary graduate. John Wesley was very important to our studies and to our heritage. John Wesley was an 18th century Anglican priest who founded Methodism. He was 36 years old in 1738 when he cried out to the Lord in his own unbelief, despite the fact that he, maybe like most of us, had been a Christian most of his life. On May 24th of that year, he wrote in his journal that he felt dull inside. He felt little motivation to pray, even for his own salvation. And that evening, a friend invited him to a meeting at Aldersgate. About 8.45 that evening, oddly enough, while someone was reading the preface of Martin Luther to the book of Romans, something happened. Something happened that changed his heart and his life and his ministry forever when he said, in those readings, my heart was strangely warmed. The risen Christ, you see, was the one who appeared to Wesley. And that was the point at which his faith had become living, breathing, and a reality for him. And Wesley spent the rest of his life cultivating faith through study, his advocating for the, uh, for the poor and ministering to them, to the uneducated, to the marginalized, to the widows and orphans, all while being an eyewitness to the resurrection of the Lord. We come to truly believe in the resurrected Lord only when we ourselves begin to be resurrected. When we ourselves begin to be resurrected. In our gospel lesson this morning, the other disciples told their friend Thomas what they had seen in the resurrected Lord, but in his unbelief, he said, mm -mm, unless I touch his side and see his hands, I will not believe it for myself. And a week passed. The disciples were in that house again, and this time Thomas was with them. Again, the door was locked, and Jesus appeared. He said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Thomas, come here. Put your hand in my side. See the hands in my, the holes in my hands. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those, though, who have not seen, and yet they believe. How is it that those who believe without seeing will be so blessed? Now, while grateful for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, for which there were many firsthand eyewitnesses, I also am profoundly grateful for the gift of the Holy Spirit because without him we cannot see. He is the one who gives power for our lives to be transformed, to be turned around completely. 
The Holy Spirit and his touch brings life to people, causing people to choose love over hate, salvation over death, heaven instead of hell, serving versus being served, humility over pride, peace instead of war, and light over darkness. And when we choose to believe in the gift of faith through our own free will, we find ourselves possessing confidence and conviction as well. In Acts, we read about the account of Jesus with his disciples before he ascended into heaven. And he told them not to leave Jerusalem until the Father came and gave them the gift that he had been talking about. And so they waited. Now, can you imagine how futile and fruitless it would have been for the disciples to take charge and to go out without the power of the Holy Spirit? Yes, they'd all seen the resurrected body of Jesus. But until they were baptized with the Holy Spirit's power, they didn't understand the significance of their pre-Pentecost experiences with Jesus. They still didn't have a clue as to what Jesus had been telling them about the gift of the Holy Spirit. After Jesus' resurrection, there were 120 believers who followed Christ, meeting together regularly from house to house. And what was it that they were believing. Was their faith alive? Actually, despite the fact that they had seen the resurrected body of Christ, their faith hadn't yet come fully to life. And then Pentecost came. I hate to rush the season, but it will be here soon. Then Pentecost came, and that day, the Holy Spirit came and filled them. And the days of waiting were over. Then they were able to stand boldly and to proclaim that this one named Jesus, who had been crucified, was no longer dead. That God had made this very Jesus both Lord and Christ. And then in one single day, they go from 120 believers to 3,000. 120 believers. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. See, that was the majority of the early church. Now, maybe seeing is not necessarily believing. Rather, believing is experiencing for yourself the resurrected Christ and then putting your faith into action every day through the power of the Holy Spirit. If the kind of belief that I'm talking about isn't your experience, you can pray like the boy's father in Mark 9, or like John Wesley, who said, Lord, help my unbelief. Or better yet, you can pray, Lord, strengthen my belief. It was only after John Wesley's heart had been strangely warmed that his ministry flowed. 
Even if you feel that your faith is as small as a seed, nourish it and water it. Read and study, meditate upon and digest his word. And when you pray, spend some time listening to God instead of doing all the talking. With the Holy Spirit's guidance and his power, you're going to find your faith growing and becoming something that you really want to go out and talk about. Blessed are you who have not seen and yet who have believed. Blessed are you who rejoice with indescribable and glorious joy, sharing in the gifts that everyone you encounter can share. Blessed are you who together with the people and the apostles are captured by God's living presence and are now being used to create a world that believes without seeing. Amen. Would you please join me in standing as we profess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.